I know that's what you're all thinking. Actually, uh, Aaron is taking the day off today. Uh, his nephew got married yesterday, so that's awesome. And so he's taking the day off to be with family and everything. So you get me this morning. Congratulations. So um, my only, my only uh, thing this morning before we get going is that I ask you all to kind of resist catching Pokemon for the next few hours, for the next hour or so. Seriously, I was out at the park on um, Friday playing some disc golf, and there were people everywhere just walking around catching Pokemon. Crazy. Okay, Richard Simmons has spent decades trying to get people up and moving. It takes Nintendo 20 minutes and one app. It's unbelievable. So, anyways, uh, my name is Donald. Uh, my name is Donald Weeding. I'm a deacon and gospel community leader here at Element. And there are Bibles in the back if you want one or if you forgot one would like to use one. Uh, there are also notes on all today on all the communion tables. They have today's uh, verses, the message, and some questions to go a little deeper after the service with your friends, family, gospel community, and whatnot. Um, you could also download an app called YouVersion. Um, from there, you can click on More Than Events, and from there, you can click on Element and get today all of today's verses, um, the questions, and everything else right on your smartphone. It's awesome. So, here at Element, we've been going through the book of Acts since January, and today, this is week 24 in the book of Acts, which is really appropriate for me because 24 was like one of my all-time favorite shows, so... I'm loving it. I'm feeling good. So um, we're starting to look at the early Christian church. And the goal is that we hope that as a church body, we can understand what it takes to be a good church with the goal that is to to love Jesus, where our lives are focused on Jesus by being his hands, feet, and voice and serving those not only in the church, but those outside of the church as well. This series also helps us show what to look for in a good church home. We know a lot of you won't call Element home for forever. You may move out of Santa Maria and find another church home, and we hope that this series helps show you what to look for in a good church home. Um, Now, these are things we don't always do perfect. We're not always best at, but it's things that we try to be better about. Uh, Today's message really highlights that for me because it's something I didn't completely understand until I really started my walk with Jesus, and I began to understand a whole lot more as I dug into today's passage. So please stand with me for the reading of God's word, and we can get the ball rolling. This is John 17, 20 through 23, and this is where Jesus prays for everyone. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may, be, may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have gave me, and they may be one as we are in one. I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Pray with me. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, uh, I, I thank you for all the wonderfulness you've done for us throughout the week. And um, I, I pray that you would come to us and help us realize that we are all one, that as a church um, here in this building and as a church body of believers outside these walls, that we are all one and that we can go out into the world sharing the good news that is the truth that you give us. Um, Thank you for loving us and taking care of us and continuing to bless us. In your name we pray. Amen. So to get started, you can open your Bibles to Acts 8.26. That's where we are this morning. And at this point in the book of Acts, the church leaders are spread out, um, being led by the Spirit and telling people about the Son of God. So we're going to see where the Spirit is leading Philip this morning. This is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch starting at Acts 8.26. 
Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down to Jer- from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he, come, he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the, from the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, he came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Okay, so now if you've been with us for any length of time here, you have a good understanding of what's been happening in the books of Acts, and this passage makes a little sense to you, and that's great. If maybe it's your first time here at Element, maybe it's your first time hearing this passage, and you're probably feeling the same way I was the first time I read it. What? Just, what is going on here? Okay, I, when being asked to give today's sermon a few months ago, I read this passage, and I was so baffled. I had no clue what was going on. See, context with what is happening is very important. So I had to go back and like read more of Acts and get the context. And I sat down with Aaron for a bit, and we talked about it. And I finally had a better understanding when I reread that. So if you're who, let's, I'm going to give you a quick recap for those that are new, and we'll begin to break this down a bit. So God has been telling his disciples to go out into the world with the message of Jesus. We saw a couple weeks ago that they didn't go out. So the spirit of God humbles them. He brings on a persecution and sends them out. He kind of pushes them out the door just a little bit. This is where you really see God doing amazing things. You may have thought what they were doing back in Jerusalem was, were amazing, and it was. But now God is using them to save his people. These are people that we would never imagine would be receptive to the message of Jesus. And that is where we find ourselves today. God continues to save and redeem and expand his family. He continues to join us in unity on his grace. Here, Philip meets this Ethiopian, shares the gospel with him, and baptizes him. Before we dive into today's message, though, we have to spend a little bit of time to talk about baptism. Simply put, baptism is all about Jesus. Baptism is all about Jesus. Let me explain. It's also an understanding of sacraments. In sacraments, the gospel of Jesus is seen. Baptism is like communion. It's a public expression of an inward conviction. This is why we come to communion every Sunday, why we break that cracker that represents his body that was broken for us. We dip it in the wine or grape juice that represents his blood that was spilt for you and I. And and just because I'm saying this does not mean the message is over. I know, I'm mentioning communion, which is like element code for close the Bibles, get ready for music, but... Not that short today. Bear with me. Open those Bibles back up. So, communion is a public expression of an inward conviction. See, we take communion to remember the death Jesus died for us. We take communion. We are publicly showing that we understand the death that Jesus died for us. This is something we hold inwardly, and we show that inward conviction through the public expression of communion. Baptism is a public expression of our faith in Christ that represents the death, 
burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's a public expression of an inward conviction. Let me break it down another way. I, I personally, I have a love for Star Wars, comic book characters, and my Anaheim Mighty Ducks. These are things I love. I can really get behind these things. Now, I can publicly express that inward conviction in a shirt I wear or a hat or, or how, how I talk about these things. Every time we wear something that shows off your support for your favorite sports team, movie, band, coffee brand, or whatever it is, you are publicly expressing that inward conviction. You have an inward conviction and you are, you are publicly expressing it and you're willing to defend that. Baptism is the same way. It's a public expression of an inward conviction. Baptism is us showing a connection to Jesus. We are brought into the water to symbolize Jesus' death, brought out under to represent his burial, and brought out of that burial just as Jesus was raised from the dead. Romans 6, 3 through 6 reads, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You see, baptism is something to celebrate. It's that moment that someone believes the gospel of Jesus and then allowing our own selfish, sinful self to be buried and to be born again as someone who loves Jesus and understands that our life is its no longer about us, but it's about him. Baptism is a public expression of our commitment to love and follow Jesus. This is why baptism should be celebrated publicly, so people can all see Jesus working through his people. It's a visible declaration of the gospel. We are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is an outward showing of the believer's death to sin, burial of an old life, and a resurrection to a new life in Jesus. This is great to see in new believers. And publicly, the church can encourage people that are being baptized. Furthermore, baptism can also serve as an encouragement not only to the person being baptized, but to the church as a whole. You see, for element... Baptism is a party, and not only are the people being baptized blessed, but everyone there is also being blessed and encouraged and seeing the good and loving work that God is doing in our community. We also get baptized in obedience. Jesus calls us to submit to him and to outwardly and publicly express that submission to Jesus. It's something that we publicly express and we publicly talk about, just like our favorite sports team, TV show, book, or how we are voting. It's something that we publicly show and we defend. Getting baptized is an initial act of discipleship and a public expression. As a side note, does baptism have to take place with a lot of people around? Does it have to be a public thing? No, no, it doesn't. You can get baptized with no one else around, and that's okay. Just like Philip baptizing this Ethiopian. I mean, it is more an issue of the heart and the willingness to give your life to Christ than the party we like to make it. So, baptism is all about Jesus. If Jesus is not involved, then it's just getting wet. Okay, we all on the same page? We all clear with what baptism is? Okay, now we get to talk about what baptism is not. And this is part of the morning where I may offend some of you or challenge some of your beliefs a little bit, but just go with me, study it up, know what I'm talking about, we're good to go. So, there are two major thoughts in, on baptism in today's church. Pado-baptism, pado meaning infant, and credo-baptism, credo meaning I believe. Biblically, there is no clear path to, to infant baptism in the Bible. There is zero evidence of any infant being baptized in Scripture. Now, 
There are a lot of people that believe in pedo-baptism, a lot of people that go to churches where they baptize infants. And these are people that love Jesus. They've been saved by his grace. They're going to be resurrected in heaven. I'm going to meet them there, and it's going to be great. Big party, but they're wrong. It's okay. It's okay. So I love the way that Aaron said it a couple weeks back, and I think it bears repeating. If you were, ba- if you were baptized as an infant, you weren't baptized, you were just sprinkled by well-intended parents. I think that really sums it up well. Here at Element, we, we do not believe in pedo-baptism. But we do dedicate infants born into a covenant family to the Lord. In Luke 2, Jesus was dedicated to the Lord. And so when a child is born to a family that loves God and will be raised to know who God is, we publicly dedicate that child. And as a church, we can come and we support the parents. And we help, we help teach that child who God is as they grow to be a full adult-sized human. So go back a few pages in your Bible now to Acts 2.38. It's just a couple pages back, so it should be easy to get to. And we'll see what Peter says about baptism. The way he words it is very, very important. So, Acts 2.38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, the order for being baptized is always repentance, faith, baptism. We repent of our sins. We have faith in Jesus, and we submit to him in baptism. Repentance, faith, baptism. It's kind of hard for a newborn kid to have repentance and faith. It's, it's, it's a little difficult for that. So some people will say that Acts 18.18 18 shows us an example of an infant being baptized when a whole household was saved, and they were, the whole household was baptized. And again, this just isn't clear. Yes, there may have very well have been an infant in that household, but there may not have been also. If my whole household was baptized today, yes, there would be an infant involved. Gavin's just nine months old. But I, I, have, I know plenty of other families, families in our GC that have two or four kids at home, and all of them are of age to have repentance, have faith, and be baptized. So again, there is just no clear path to infant baptism in Scripture, zero. Now, don't get me wrong. We want this for your family. We want your whole family to be baptized. We want your whole family to love God. This is something we encourage and we want for you. So now begs the question, what age is right to get baptized? Well, Scripture doesn't say. In the case of a child being baptized, we let the parents and the church kind of work that out. So when our oldest daughter, Faith, wanted to be baptized, I asked her, why? She said, well, because my best friend, Lauren, got baptized, and I love Jesus, too. Okay, she kind of got it. She was, she was kind of there, but not really. So, you know, I spent, we spent some time talking about what baptism is and, you know, explaining that, you know, our lives are for Jesus and we submit our lives to Jesus. And after about a year, she started to get it. After a year and a half, I sat down with Christy, with, uh, who leads the E-Families here, and I let Christy ask her a few questions and let her answer and, and, you know, confirm that she was ready to be baptized. And then I was able to baptize her, and that was, that was awesome. So as a parent, I know that we can lift our children above most kids and see just how perfect they are. And this is really easy for me because, let's face it, my kids are like the best kids here at Element, right? Okay. As long as everybody agrees with that, we're all on the same page. So uh, because we have a tendency as loving parents to look past their faults, this is why you let someone from the church give an opinion. So if you think your child is ready to be baptized, even even at a young age, awesome. I encourage you to encourage them, speak to them about that, talk with them. In fact, there is an e-kids baptism class on August 14th for, for kids that have questions about baptism and what baptism is. Now, does baptism save? No. No, baptism does not save. And when people argue that it does save, what they're really arguing for is that you're saved by works. 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God and not a result so that no one may boast. You can't say that you are saved by your works of being baptized. You can't boast about those works of being baptized and put yourself above others on the I was saved chart. It It doesn't work like that. You are not saved through the works of baptism, but through God and God alone. The best example of this is when Jesus was being crucified on the cross. When Jesus was there on the cross, there were two other men being crucified alongside him. And and one of those men came to believe in Jesus right there. And scripture tells us that Jesus saved that man as he was dying on the cross next to him. Jesus saved that man. And there wasn't time to like, you know, put a pause on the crucifixion. Everyone get down to baptize this man and then, you know, get back up and finish things up. It doesn't work like that. So Jesus saves Not pastors, elders, not deacons, worship, works, not communion, not baptism, anything else you want to save in there. Jesus saves. All you need is Jesus. Grace from him, accessed by him. Romans 10, 9 through 10 reads, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. First and foremost, it is a relationship with Jesus. We want you to be baptized to show how Jesus saved you. We want you to come and take communion to show how Jesus saved you. We want you to come to church and celebrate Jesus with the rest of God's family. A public expression of an inward conviction. Okay, so now that we're all clear with what baptism is and we're all on the same page, let's go back to Acts 8.26. And we're going to see how Philip came to baptize this Ethiopian. So, Philip is led to this man by the Spirit. He is called to go to him. The Holy Spirit called Philip to action, and Philip obeyed. I can give you a huge breakdown right now about the importance to follow God's instruction to you, but I I will just leave it at this. When God clearly tells you to go somewhere or do something, you do it. So Philip understood this, and he went to Gaza as he was instructed. There, he sees this man reading Scripture and is told by the Spirit to go to him. And in fact, Philip runs to him. He, He gets moving. And he gets to this chariot and he asks a simple question. Do you understand what you are reading? Okay, so someone is reading scripture and Philip asks, do you understand what you are reading? This is bold. This is Philip being a leader, ready to help explain scripture. This is no easy task. I mean, it took me four months just to help explain this passage and I'm the only one that's allowed to talk in this conversation. So I really have the advantage. It's nice for me. So at this point in time, people, they usually read out loud. So Philip most likely hears him reading Isaiah, and he asks him this very important question. Anyone can read scripture. Reading reading is easy, but he asks if he understands it. The two of them then read some scripture together, and Philip listens to this man a bit. Let's pause here for just a minute. So how does Philip begin sharing the gospel with this man? He doesn't start by shouting Jesus at him. He doesn't lecture him. He doesn't scold him. He doesn't punish him or start pointing out all of his sin. He doesn't belittle him for not being able to interpret scripture. Philip reads scripture with him, and he listens to him. He listens to the man. He sat with this man, and he listened. In the short minute, Philip took the time to get to know this stranger and read scripture with him. We, we don't know how long he sat with him. It could have been a few minutes. It could have been longer. But we know that he took the time to just be with this man and to listen to him. This is something I know I need to work on personally. I tend to be too busy thinking about what I'm going to say next rather than really listening to people. It's something I'm getting better at as Jesus continues to work on me and something I continue to hope to be better at. So Acts 8.34 
And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Philip's answer is great here. I love his answer. It's awesome. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. I love it. Okay, so Philip goes right to Jesus. There's no time spent with what to do or not to do, no time in proper behavior or what is expected of being a Christian. It is all about Jesus. Philip doesn't say, let's get you baptized and move on. No, he shares the gospel with this person. He explains how this bit of scripture from Isaiah points towards Jesus, that Jesus came as promised, died to renew us back into a proper relationship with the Father, that Jesus saved us and is making all things new, even us. Philip takes this time to share the gospel. That's exciting, right? Jesus saves you and I. Jesus saved us when we don't even deserve it. See, Philip shares this news with him, and at the time, this is big. This isn't just good news. This is like good breaking news. It just happened, and Philip is breaking into programming with a big red banner that says, breaking news, congratulations, you have been saved. That's awesome. I mean, this is news you want to hear, news you want to spread, right? It's important stuff. Can I get an amen? Awesome? Good stuff. So then why don't we? Why aren't you sharing this good news? Why, why are you not telling people about Jesus every single day? You love Jesus. You're here this morning. You're in a gospel community. Great, but... What about the people around you? How are you listening to their story? How are you sharing the gospel to people who don't know this good news? Is it because you're uncomfortable? I'm sure Philip was too, but that didn't stop him at this point. He was called to be a witness, and he did, even though it was probably uncomfortable for him too. Let me give you a better visual understanding of the situation. and This is why the text is so clear in saying an Ethiopian eunuch. If you aren't familiar with the term eunuch or you're not watching Game of Thrones, it basically means the part of a man that makes you a man was removed. Every dude just shuddered a little bit. So that's something most men like to keep. And when it's removed, I'm sure it brings a lot of shames to oneself. So when this happened, you know, you were shunned, you were outcasted. In Ethiopia, what happened is eunuchs would begin to see themselves more of a woman than a man. So they'd begin to wear dresses and makeup and not try to really hide the fact that they weren't a man, but take on the image of a woman. And this eunuch, he was like a court official to the queen of Ethiopia. So he had like the best dresses and best makeup like anyone could get at the time. This is like America's next top model stuff. Dude is looking good. So now put yourself in Philip's sandals. There is a man wearing colorful makeup in a dress reading the Bible. Are you going to talk to that person? Are you going to take time to sit and just listen with that man? Are you going to tell that man about Jesus? Will you? I mean, some of you may honestly say yes, but I think most of us would honestly say no, we wouldn't. What if it's a homeless person that's being outcasted? What if it's someone who is sick or someone who is in prison? Are you going to visit them? Are you going to share the gospel with those in most need around us? Are you going to take the time to do that? Time is precious, and we hold on to it. Are you willing to give that time up to be with those people? This is Matthew 25, 31 through 46. If you have the notes, maybe circle this verse and go back to it later. It's, it's pretty important. So, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? And he will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So what about a neighbor? What about a co-worker? What about a friend? Who are you being called to sit with and listen to and tell Jesus about? Who are you going to share the gospel with even when it's uncomfortable? Or maybe with someone who you wouldn't imagine would be receptive to the truth of Jesus. See, Philip, he took this time to read scripture and share the gospel with this man. And as they came by some water, he asked if he could be baptized. This man came to understand who Jesus was, his works, and he says he wants to be part of Jesus' family. Philip walks with this outcasted member of society that he shared the gospel with, and he puts him in the water to represent Jesus dying for us. Places him under the water just as Jesus was buried. And then just as Jesus defied death and was resurrected, Philip pulls this man out of the water, born again, no longer a slave to sin, but a man who follows Jesus. This man is now unified with the rest of God's children. This man is now ready to live his life anew, surrendered to Jesus and serving him. How does this man's life change after this? Well, we don't know. What we do know is that he is now adopted into God's family, and God is going to work through him to bring change to him and his family as he sees fit. Philip then goes on, shares the gospel as he travels and on led by the Spirit. Acts 8, started at 40. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. You see, Philip doesn't just share the gospel with this one man and check it off his list and call things done. No, he understands that he must share the gospel with everyone around him. Even as Philip is just passing through towns, he takes the time to share the gospel with the people in these towns. Philip understands the weight and truth that is in Jesus in a way that I pray we all can. So, while this section of scripture was really confusing to me at first, and maybe it was for you this morning too, it, it, it breaks down really simple. As people of God, as people who have been saved by Jesus through his grace, we go out into the world and we share this good news about his grace with just everyone around us. And we keep telling people, and we keep sharing the gospel. And maybe... If you're someone here, it breaks down simply. If you're hearing the gospel for the first time, if you're learning who Jesus is and you're ready to submit to Jesus and believe in his good works, then you get baptized. Maybe you're thinking, oh, I've got to get some stuff in order before I get baptized. No, see, we're all filthy. We're all covered in sin. But you don't get clean before you take a bath. See, Jesus is the one that saves. He saves you and I. He's already done it through his grace. Baptism is just us saying we're ready to serve him, we're ready to live for him. 
And then once you do that, you go out in the world as his messengers. So the band is going to come up. And we're going to worship through music this morning. And why we worship through music, we invite you to communion. Communion is that public expression of that inward conviction. It's that time where we recenter and refocus on Jesus. We break that cracker as his body was broken for us. We dip it in the wine or grape juice as, as Jesus' blood was spilt for us. We also worship through offerings. We give because God has given so much to us. There's offering boxes on the side walls and in the back. And maybe you're at a place where you're kind of struggling with some of this. Maybe this is something that you're feeling very convicted about right now. Maybe this is something that's really weighing on your heart. That's good. That's the Holy Spirit working on you. If you want prayer, there's going to be deacons and elders in the back that can pray for you. And I encourage you to go back and pray with them. So, and if you're, if you're curious about what baptism is and you would like to sign up for the next baptism class, there's, um, there's a class uh, upstairs today after every service. So you can go up there and get some more information about baptism and sign up for the next baptisms in September. It's a fun party. There's going to be tri-tip and all kinds of good food. And we get to celebrate God working through his people. And that's awesome. See, it's God invites us to be part of his family. He has adopted all of us. And I invite you to be part of that family. It's, a, it's an awesome family to be a part of. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for all that you've done in our lives. I thank you for blessing us and showing us the truth that is in you. For coming on, on this rescue mission for us. That when we're lost in our own sin and our own pride, that you have come to break us away from that. I thank you for allowing us to be part of your family. And I pray that you can continue to work in breaking away these calluses on our heart that have been placed there by our own pride and selfishness. And that you could allow us to see the weight of your truth and your glory in the same way that Philip did. And that we can go out into the world and talk about how you change lives and share your gospel. And that you can continue to work on people outside this church. Lord, you have placed all of us here in this community. You have placed us here today. And I pray that you would help lead us and guide us to those that need your word most. Thank you for being a loving father. Thank you for saving us. And thank you for allowing us to be a blessing to those around us. In your name we pray. Amen.